All right, here we are. We are live with Brian McMahon. He is here to show us, he says, how to launch and grow a startup to unicorn status. Is that what you're here to help us do today? Why not? It's it's a beautiful day in paradise. <laughs> Why not start with building some unicorns, right? All right, let's do it. Let's get it. We're gonna get we're gonna make sure that he does that for us today on this special episode of the Authority Project. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, feast your eyes and tune your ears. It's that time again. We are live with another episode of the Authority Project. It's the video podcast streamed on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Periscope, where we talk to digital marketers, business coaches, and creators of all kinds on how they've built authority in their field and how you can mimic their success. Developing authority, building your audience, and attracting better clients to your own business. Now, without further ado, let's bring to the virtual stage your host, Brian S. Arnold. And here I am, folks, with another episode of the Authority Project. You are the project, and we want to slap authority to your name so you can sell more of what you're great at. And we have a, a special guest here, a new, a new good friend here, Brian with an I. Brian McMahon is here uh, to help us launch and grow a startup to unicorn status, he says. Um, and I'm so excited to have him on here. I have lots of questions. And he's going to take care of them like a pro so you guys can have just sit, sit back and relax and just enjoy the ride here. We are good to go. But before we dive in, please tell us, first of all, who you are personally and then professionally. Uh, so I'm an investor professionally and honestly personally as well uh, this is this is what I do I live in the world of early stage startups um, I put investments into companies and then we work with those companies and they help them grow so it's my it's my work it's my hobby and it's uh, it's what I live every day awesome now Tell us right now what your current project is right now. If you had a current project to to, to share, what would well, we have, we have so many. We we invest <laughs> in literally one company every single week. So mm. our 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 accelerator expert dojo, like we're an international accelerator. So we find companies from all over the world. Every, I mean, literally, last accelerator we had twelve companies from nine different countries, mm -hmm. and those companies we bring them in. We bring them through a very specific eight week program in a cohort, and then even while we bring those companies in, we're investing in more and more and more companies so we could bring them into the next cohort as well. And uh, yeah, we're 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 investing at a pretty reasonable clip right now and and if i was going to give you all of our company like they're all <laughs> awesome they're all early they're all growing and every single one of them is in their mind believes that they are on the road to building a unicorn awesome oh wow that's amazing so tell tell us let's let's go back let's tell us where where your journey began how did you get started in in investing in being interested in startups in this way Man, we got to go back 51 years ago. That's like a long time on this planet. <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna crawl back. So, I mean, I'm an Irish guy originally. I yeah. came from Dublin, Ireland. Uh, left to Ireland when I was 18 or 19. Went over to the UK, and then that was, and then I got into property development over there. Uh, yeah. I, I always think property development is a great, great, great business if you can get into it. And you, you don't even have to get into it hard. You can get into it slow. And if you start early enough, and you buy a few places, and you flip a few places, and you suddenly get pretty good at that particular space and then the only what you learn is the difference between supply and demand and kind of where that value proposition fits in the middle and what yeah. you understand is that the entire game is on the principle that you understand how cash flow works right the people who lose in property development are the people who get greedy and they work on the principle of luck Right? They buy a bunch of places and they hope there's no recession. And then they're like, okay, as long as the price keeps on increasing, then we're going to do fine. Well, God bless you. But life doesn't work like that. And you mm -hmm. may get lucky once, you may get lucky twice, but you will crash and you will get hurt real bad. And I much prefer the principle of let's actually treat property development like a business. Let's make sure that no matter what happens at whatever time, there's always enough cash flow to take us through whatever difficult period we're in in that particular moment. Mm. And so it served me really well um, and allowed me to get started on my journey. And then over the next 20 years, I lived in about 50 countries and traveled through Europe and through Asia and China, um, South America. I spent an awful long time in Mexico and Panama and a bunch of places like that. Um, and then made my way into the United States. 
And wow. then when I was here, and then I created another marketplace, which was for property where we did fine, sold it to my partner, and then arrived in Santa Monica. And like, and, and while in the States, I lived in New York and in Dallas and Houston and Austin and, and Cambridge and Massachusetts and San Francisco, oh, okay. San Diego. And then I kind of, there you go. You just got 51 years. Yeah. In, in like, <laughs> you got, I actually got 46 years in in about two and a half minutes. Nice. Uh, and then I found myself in Santa Monica. And then, and that's really where my journey with both investment and early stage startups and looking at this as a job really begun. Wow. Amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. When you say Cambridge, it's like, okay, that's, that's, that's my back. That's in my backyard here. I'm from Boston. So beautiful. Yeah. I had I a great time it. in Boston. I mean, truly, one of the coldest places in the earth on a yes. cold day, but it's yeah. beautiful while you're there. As long as you got your clam chatter, you're good. There you go. There you go. So tell us, tell us then in your experience, because we you know we all have, you know, we all have great ideas, right? But in your experience, what, what truly makes a great idea? Execution. Mm. Execution. There's so many ideas which are great idea. If I just look around in the room that I'm in right now, like even those those steel curtains that hang over the glass there, it's a great idea that somebody yeah. made money on. But I'm sure there was a bunch of other people who had that idea. Or even think going back to the time before there was even couches, like there was probably some random dude or dudess who is like sitting somewhere on the floor and thinking, <laughs> ah, wouldn't it be awesome if we had somewhere to sit that was really comfortable? And there was yeah. probably like, 10,000 million trillion gazillion people who said that exact same thing. But there was one person mm. who was the Ford motor company that said, we are going to build this car that said, we are going to build that couch that mm. said, we are going to build those curtains. Like there's that person that executes and execution is a number of steps beyond the concept. The idea, every fool has got an idea. Like everybody will work out the new perfect toothbrush that they can have in the most. Like, oh, I worked it. Well, yeah, Sherlock, you know, you're on this planet. Your, your eyes are open. Of course you worked it out. Like people work this out all of the time. But the, the next step then is to say, okay, can I turn this into something that's actually going to make money? Is this something which I am actually really good at rather than something which is just a hobby and I can, you know, I can have a little bit of fun at. And if I'm really good at it, that means that I have to be able to bring in revenue and I have to be able to bring in enough revenue that it's worth my while. Mm-hmm. Now, if I then say, okay, now I know it's going to bring in enough revenue that it's worth my while because I have researched all of the difficult, boring, crappy aspects to it to know that it works. Then I say to myself, okay, now I need to explore the cost of making and acquiring or building the product, or if it's a service, exactly the same, of putting together that service, and the customers that will be required to actually buy that service. And the funny thing about all of this is that none of this is complicated. It's not difficult. Look, mm-hmm. I don't believe, whenever I read books like the 4-Hour Work Week or any of this thing, or you can make millions of dollars in a few minutes, and, and I think coaches have a lot to answer for in this particular respect. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe it, and, and I laugh, and I feel terribly sorry for any gullible fool who believes that life actually works that way. <laughs> but when someone tells me that, Generally speaking, the concepts of building a great business are based on simplicity and execution and perseverance. I nod my head because that's what they are. You have to execute properly and you have to persevere with that execution to make sure that it's done okay. And if you do that, then you have a chance of beating the only enemy of a business being successful. There's only one enemy ever for a business being successful. It's not competition. It's not even application in many ways. It's not even whether the product is good or bad in many ways. The greatest enemy of all company successes is time. Hmm. Think about Amazon. Amazon were a miserable failure for 10 years. Miserable failure for 10 years. You know how much money Amazon lost in the first 10 years of existence? Yeah, I don't know. Six billion dollars. Wow. (laughs) Give me six billion dollars. I think I can make a success to myself, right? They lost six billion dollars. Now, Amazon are one of the greatest companies on the planet today. Yeah. But only after being one of the biggest failures for 10 years. So they managed to play in the arena with their greatest enemy, which is time and win. 
And they did that because they understood what would happen at each time at each time point in the future, and they mitigated against that. And they mitigated against it in their case by evolving, by uh, making their product better, and by making sure that they had venture capital money to keep them going. Awesome. So let's I, let's touch some great stuff there. <laughs> so let's talk about validation. We have a great idea, right? We think it's great. You know, we start there. We we start executing. Uh, or we start start just starting like I said, just starting to, to put this idea into into motion. How do we begin to validate idea as being, you know, is proofed is proofed and it's ready to go that we can start to think about scaling in that way. So I, I really wish that we didn't live in the digital world we lived in because if we didn't, I would just put a dollar bill up against the camera right now. And I would say that is the only form of validation there is. Your mom mm. telling you it's a good idea is not validation. <laughs> Your friends discussing it with you in a bar at midnight about like how smart you are that you're going to leave your job is not validation. The only validation is somebody exchanging a valuable currency that they have for your valuable currency, which is your service, your product, your technology, whatever it is you have. If somebody is not exchanging a valuable currency for that, there is no validation. There is an indication, and indications are very useful, right? Because they allow it, they tell us that we're on the right road. Think about validation is when you arrive in the bar, and indication is when there are signposts that are saying, bar this way. Okay, and you want to find, you want to follow the indications that you're going in the right direction to get to the bar. But the only validation is when I'm an Irish guy, so I have to use, oh, no, I, have no to use I have to use a beer as my my analogy. Yeah. But the only validation is that you walk in a bar and you hand them some money and they hand you a beer and you drink yeah. that beer and then that's when it's being done. So you have to make sure you get to that place. And you and the objective is if if you go back to the point that I just made, which is that time is the greatest killer of companies. Everything becomes a race. This is a marathon sprint or a sprint marathon, right? Every single morning, you wake up in the morning with the mentality to go for a sprint, but in the knowledge that tomorrow you're going to have to wake up in the morning and you're going to have to do another 26-mile sprint and the next day, another 26-mile and the next day and the next day and the next day. And the day you wake up in the morning, you're like, dude, what am I doing? There's like 400 marathons here. Why don't I just walk? Is the day you die. Mm. Mm. Wow. Great stuff, man. Great stuff. So let's... let's... Let's talk about and and I'm, I, I, let me let me stay rested right there because I want to just make sure that everybody understands that because I think a lot of people um, are searching for that where is this is this good where it's not just it, so you're not just saying like if we if we get a testimonial that we have a great idea you're saying that you need to have money exchange for it to really really be a validation to to your work. There needs, to be, there needs to be a value exchange, right? Okay. So money is the simplest form of, of value. But for example, you know, that same couch that I have, if, I, if I've just invented a couch and I go around to someone's house and I say to them, hey, do you like the couch? And I put it in their house and they just sit on the couch and they're like, man, that's the most awesome couch I've ever sat on, but they haven't given me anything. Okay. And what tells me it's the most awesome couch? Like if they give me a cow, ah. now yeah. you really believe my couch is awesome. And how, yeah. how, how, how awesome do you believe it is? A cow's worth of awesome. Mm, but if you give okay. me a chicken, then it's yeah. a chicken's worth of awesome. Right. So it's very important for us. Like number one, entrepreneurship is the greatest thing on the planet and everybody should do it. And you should do it early. And I, I and I really find that, you know, working for someone is the worst form of bondage. And, mm. and it's just our modern form slavery where we just go in and we just work until we're whatever, 60 or 70 or 80. Yeah. And then, and then we, we, we die. Right. Yeah. And, and it's actually even before there were time, like even when you go back to the 50s and 60s, it wasn't even this bad back then. Because in the 50s and 60s, at least people like they worked. There was no internet. There was no 500 emails a day. There was no 3,000 texts. There was no bunch of people calling you. Like you literally, if you were going to meet people in a bar and you're going to meet them in a, in, a, in, a, in a game, like they had to turn up because there was nowhere to tell you that they weren't <laughs> going to be there. Right. So right. life has become a much faster spinning wheel that we get on it when we're 20 and we run faster and faster and faster and faster and faster. And the whole idea is, can I get a better job, a better person, a better employment, a better, 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 better. And then at the same time, we're spending money faster, 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 faster. Oh, we got yeah. married. Great. Let's get a, let's get a house. Oh, we got married. Awesome. Let's get the furniture. 
she went, oh, we got kids. Great. Now we got like three extra things that are going to cost us a gazillion dollars every month. Faster, faster, more, more money, more, more money, faster, faster. It is Mm -hmm. a awful, awful, awful rat race Mm -hmm. that only ends up in one place for the vast majority of people. And that is more poverty than we started off in. So I am not a coach. I'm not a life coach. I don't do any of that kind of stuff. I Mm. just invest. But it means that I understand the difference between creating wealth and making money. Entrepreneurship gives people the opportunity of creating wealth. And then your wealth becomes a game of capital gains tax and not a game of paying tax on all of the revenue that you receive just to try and stay alive. So do I believe everybody should be an entrepreneur in the world? Absolutely. Do I believe they should start really young? Absolutely. Do I believe ideas are awesome and we should search for ideas and walk around the world with our eyes open? I 100% do. And But the, the reality of the world is the vast majority of people are lazy. And they don't want they all want they all want to be rich and have money and have the cars and everything that goes with it, but they're not prepared to do the work to actually take them there. So in this world of tough, hard love, yeah. the difference between those people who just talk empty clatter, like empty vessels who make the most amount of noise, and those people who decide that they are going to put in the work to execute on an idea and obtain a value transaction that gap remains the same. And if more people were to say, I'm prepared to do that extra hard work at the beginning so I don't have to spend the next 40 years working for some schlep who I hate <laughs> and tells me that I just arrived into work two, two minutes late in the morning, yeah. then you've got to do that to get that validation on your product. Awesome. Um, that's some great stuff there. <laughs> great inspiration right there. I hope everybody was, is listening to that. So let's let's talk... Let's talk funding. We have a team of people now, but we have to pay them. We have to try to keep this, you know, this this thing afloat. You know, we got hosting, we have customer service, developers, marketers, social media, PR, whatever. When do we get to the point of asking for money? Or should okay. we even do, get to get to that point? <laughs> so there's, there's two types of companies in this world, okay. right? And okay. we're, we're, I'm saying two types of successful companies, right? So the first okay. type of successful company, and let's assume we've built a product. We have our, we know what we're doing. We know what we're selling. We know what the clients look like. Maybe we've even started selling to clients, right? So yeah. company number one is a non-venture backable company, right? It is a company that is a service company. It is a lifestyle company. It is a company, and that doesn't mean that you're not going to earn a lot of money from it. It just means that it is not a quickly scalable company whereby venture capitalists believe that they can get somewhere between 20 times return and 2,000 times return, Mm -hmm. okay? And that service company is generally when you are using your person as the product or you're using a product which has a limited amount of sales. Venture capitalists will normally look for something that has the ability to bring in revenue of $10 million a month. If you can bring in $10 million a month in revenue, then you are glory for looking at it, as long as it can be done relatively quickly, because we want that $10 million a month in revenue within seven to 10 years. Hmm. Now, if you are not that company, let's say you have a podcast show and you're going to go, but you're Joe Rogan, right? And you say, hey, I'm Joe Rogan, I'm a podcast show. I'm going to have millions and millions of of listeners to my show. I'm going to make maybe a million or two or three million dollars a year. Great. God bless you. Like You are probably not going to get venture funding. You may get funding from a bank. You will almost definitely get funding from friends or family or people who want to support you because they don't need to play the game of one or two companies in 20 making it and then having to get a 20 times return. If you're supporting and giving money to Joe Rogan, you know, number one, he can probably afford to pay pay it back. And number two, um, if you had equity in Joe Rogan, then Joe Rogan is probably an equity type that you could sell in the future. But generally speaking, these companies trade on their EBITDA. They trade on the profitability they make. And going back to that value exchange that I mentioned before, if I'm making a couch and it costs me half a chicken to make a couch and I sell a couch for a cow, then I'm going to do very, very well from that company. And the only thing I require money for is to make sure that I bridge the gap between selling one couch and selling 100 couches because I know that the cows that I will receive for those 100 couches are enough to pay all of my debts. Okay, so as a company, as a person starting that type of company, you have to be an accountant. Like you just have to be extremely good at cash flow. Remember what I said at the start mm-hmm. of the, the start of this interview: the killer of businesses is time, and the thing that generally is the, is the greatest tool of time is money owed, debts, 
not being able to repay what you have to pay, not being able to cover your expenses, money, 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 money that you do not have. So if you plan out your cash flow very cleverly and you make sure that you protect that cash flow at all costs, then you can start and run and grow an absolutely brilliant company. Now, the other type of company is a venture backable company. That is a company that has the ability to maybe get 10,000, uh, 10 million users or maybe $10 million uh, a month in revenue. That types of company VCs will come into. And then it comes down to stages. At the very beginning stage, when you're building, it's about belief and FOMO. So you sell the belief that you can do this. So let us say, for example, the guy who started uh, Uber, Travis, came in and said tomorrow, I want to start a ride-hailing um, new app. Pretty much, even if he hadn't built anything, most people would invest, right? Yeah. You'd be like, yeah, dude, you did it once, cool, I'm down with right. you. Because <laughs> right. he, he creates belief. And that is the stock and trade of entrepreneurs when they are dealing with investors at the very beginning. Now, the good news is there's lots of investors out there, loads of people like me. Uh, really, think about everybody who wants to save money. Every, I believe every single person on the planet, they have that guidance. They should be an investor of up to 5% of their portfolio. Mm. So let's say you have $100,000 in the bank and you're like, man, I'm really paying $100,000. How about my pension? Well, your pension's useless to you because your pension's going to grow at about 1% or 2% per year. But you don't put all of your pension in startup because that would be stupid because all of your pension is money that's guaranteed while the money in startup is a, is a high risk, high endeavor thing, but also high return. Mm. So if you put, we'll say 5% of your money, and I'm not, by the way, don't take this as advice. This is just a random Irish guy saying what he does, right? And what he believes. So please don't run out and cash in your pensions. But if you were to take 5% of your pension, which was like, say, five grand, and you put that into a startup and it's successful in the startup, then you could get a minimum of 20 times return, right? Yeah. And this is what, this is what, what rich folks want to really keep within rich folks. And they don't really want to share this out because yeah. they know that alternative investment strategies as long as you are in the inside, as long as you are in control of the strategies and the investments that you're making it into and you understand how the game is played, then you can make phenomenal returns based on that. Just never, ever, ever get greedy. That's the thing that kills you. It's like playing options or other high-risk stocks. stocks. Um, but I believe every investor should go into that type of thing. So those investors are all out there. Some have got lots of money. Some have got a little bit of money, but there's lots of investors out there. So as a startup, you want to sell belief at the beginning mm. and then... After you get past the stage of, yeah, great, we got our, our, our belief in place, you then want to move to a place of fear, of missing out, and greed. They are your next greatest weapons. Once you like, you got your weapon out and you're like, okay, here's my weapon of belief. Boom, boom, boom. That's what I've got. Now, your next weapon is a weapon of FOMO, fear of missing out. Mm. If you don't invest in me right now, my valuation is going to jump up by three times. And that yeah. means that you're not going to get me a valuation of $2 million. You're going to get me at a valuation of $6 million. And it means when we sell at $60 million, that means you're going to get 10 times return, not 30 times return. Mm. So you sell yeah. based on fear of missing out and greed. Now, for the fear of missing out and the greed to be effective, the belief still has to be there and it has to be there even more now because now you have a product that's potentially selling or you have a technology that's been bought by customers. So now the investor doesn't merely need to be a futurist. It can just be a mathematician and work out the cost of acquiring customers versus the amount of customers that you actually have and that you can get on board. So there's lots of investors. You just got to decide what type of company you are. Awesome. I love that. <laughs> I love that. So let's, let's, um, let's dive into this and you might have be a bias, bias with this question, but should startups really consider being part of an accelerator? Maybe, maybe. I mean, look, should startups even consider venture capital? Like people would might listen to what I'm saying and say, yeah, Brian, it's stupid. Of course we want to have a, a company that does $10, 10 million a month in revenue. But actually, if we look at the owner of Lyft, there's like three or four co-founders in Lyft. The main co-founder in Lyft, what percentage would you say that that person has in their own business? Percentage ownership. Oh, maybe 20%, maybe? Or less? less than 1%. Really? So here's what happens. Like you yeah. go into a venture backable company and you will lose control of the board 
by your second or third round. By the by the time you get to your Series B or Series C, you will most more than likely have been fired as CEO because yeah. they'll want somebody who just looks a little bit better than you do when they're in front of the later stage VCs. So yeah. now you've been fired from your job, you've lost control of your company, you've lost your equity control of your company. Um, now your whole company has been run by human resource people. And yeah, you're growing, but you're not making any money. You're losing money every single month. And the only reason you still exist is because the venture capitalists continue putting money in, which by the way, they could stop any day. And if they do decide to stop, you do not have a choice as to whether they're going to be investing in, in the, uh, whether the company survives or not. They decide if they want to throw it on mm-hmm. the fire or keep it, right? So the venture capital road is a perilous road where you lose control of everything slowly by slowly. It's a bit like, you know, you, 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 you like a drink or you like some drugs and then you suddenly find that you're an addict. And then once you become an addict, every single piece of your life you lose control of. That's exactly what happens in venture mm-hmm. funding. So you have to understand that beast before you open that door. And look, you could end up being like Mark Zuckerberg, where you got 20, 30% of your company, and it's probably going to be worth a trillion dollars within the next five to 10 years. And that's awesome. Our Jeff Bezos is in a pretty similar situation. Or you could be like the guy from Uber, but you could also be like all of the tens of thousands of people who lose absolutely everything. If you start your own service company, you can build a company that's doing like a million bucks a month. Maybe your costs are two or 300 grand a month. Maybe you're making $500,000 a month into your bank account. Maybe you own 100% of your company. And maybe you don't need to go through any of the BS that everybody has to go through. None of this stuff is clear. There are shades of gray all of the way through it. And the answer for an accelerator is exactly the same point. If you feel it will accelerate your growth and a check, for fifty or a hundred thousand dollars will make a difference. Or maybe it's even R a check. We get folks who come in, they care less about the fifty or a hundred thousand dollars that we invest into the company. Mm-hmm. If you feel it will accelerate your growth through either connections, through building your company, through helping you with brands, through mentorship or anything else, then you join an accelerator. If you feel that it's not going to help your growth, save your equity, keep it for yourself, get an institutional investor who'll give you a better valuation and go down that road. Awesome. So let's let's get into launching and growing a startup from the mm-hmm. beginning. Um, how do you launch and grow? I mean, I I'm sure there's there's a blueprint that you're looking for when you see these see these these startups. What things are you looking for, uh, or or, how, or how, what should they be doing when they're launching their startup and grow and growing and, and growing on a daily basis from there? So look, I'll take you through our accelerator program because that covers the launching and the growing. It's a little bit later than conceptual. Obviously, yeah. if you're if you're conceptually building, we can go back to like startup, startup, startup. But when somebody comes into our accelerator, we'll say, oh, we'll take them through an eight-week program. Week one is generally always covering the vision. Like until you know the vision of where the journey is going to take you, don't do anything. Like don't just say, uh, wouldn't it be awesome if they made glasses which had a strap around the back of it, which actually stuck to the back of my head so that I didn't even know it was there. And then they molded. Yeah, that would be awesome. But I need to know like, where is this going to? Am I just going to go now and randomly get like some molds for glasses and go to some random chat factory in China and then hope that they'll make glasses. And then if they do make glasses, then sell them and see where it goes. Like I need some huge vision about how the world is changing. Just think about it. If Henry Ford had not had a huge vision about how the world was changing, we would have faster horses. Yeah. <laughs> we wouldn't have a car. Yeah. But his vision, or, or take Elon Musk and his vision of going to space. Like if you look at Elon Musk and you look at his thesis, it's incredible. Like Elon, and I'm talking about SpaceX, not Tesla right now. Yeah. But if you look at SpaceX and their investor thesis, it pretty much says, listen, dude, we're going to space. Don't bore me with a load of questions about financials or anything else. It's space, you idiot, okay? (laughs) Either you think we're going to go to space or you don't. And if we do go to space, then we think pretty cool things are going to happen in space, right? And if we don't make it to space, well, then it probably isn't. So join or don't join. And they've raised hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars on that thesis. So you need to create a huge vision for where your company is going to go to. I don't care if you're building a grocery shop or what you're doing. It's like, what can this become? Because you want to strive towards that. And you can't build smart plan or milestones without getting to that point. So within that vision, we then build the milestones to get to the vision. And I call it island hopping. And island hopping is like, how do I go from my first island is 
I have no product. I have no money. I have no revenue. I have no anything. And then my second island is, oh, well, we just made $10,000 this month in revenue. And my third island is, we just made 100000 a month in revenue. And my next one is, we just made a million. And my next one is, we just made $10 million a month in revenue. And I want to know what those bridges look like from one island to the next island. Like specifically, what are you going to do? Uh, is it going to be just about marketing channels? If it is marketing channels, which marketing channels? How much are you going to spend? What are what return on investment do you expect to, to receive? And what's your plan, Sam? Like, what are you going to do day in, day out? And when you realize that's not working, like, what other channels are you going to go for? And then what team and foundation do you have in place? Um, And then once you get past that stage, then we want to talk about communication. And we really work with people on how do you communicate that vision and those milestones and that plan to everybody around you, your customers, your prospects, the investors, the uh, folks who want to be in your team, the cleaner of your building. I don't care who it is. How do you communicate to everybody where they're going to? Because people only get excited by where the journey is going. They don't get excited by the now. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So you don't need to do that. Then the next thing is we then want to work on your business brand. Once we know your vision, we know how to communicate it. We then want to work out what is the why of your business? Like how do you translate that vision and that communication into a very strong why to your consumers? If you don't have a why, then you're kind of wasting your time. Like most people have what's. So what does this do? Well, this these glasses sit on my face and help me see a little bit better if I'm reading a book. Okay. I'll pay you two bucks for those glasses. They're the same frigging glasses than the other 5,000 glasses out there that just help me look at books. But if we get to a real why, look at what Apple did with their why. It's phenomenal. They got people to pay three times the price for a laptop just because it makes them feel secure in themselves. Yeah. Most people with a, with a Mac are like these stupid phones for 900 bucks. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> 900 bucks to answer a phone that we used to get for free from Nokia 15 years ago? <laughs> what are we? Are we are we smoking crack? I mean, it's ridiculous what we're doing. But they sold us the why. The mm-hmm. why has nothing to do with the phone. The why has to be is to do with being socially acceptable to everybody else who has the Apple phones. They made a cult, and we became the cult members. And and as cult members, we will spend that money on our phone before we will spend money to have a decent meal out in the evening because we know we get judged based on that. And then we work from business brand to personal brand. A personal brand is that how do you then make sure that you are the person which is the face of your company? Like me for Expert Dojo. Um, I'll say, yeah, come to Expert Dojo. We're an accelerator. We're, we're a yeah, 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 yeah. But I'll say, you want to know about me? I'm a, I'm a frigging beast. Like I'm a beast and everybody around me is a beast. And that's how we wake up in the morning and that's how we approach our day. And that's really why you choose us. If you're choosing us because we give you money, well, then we're, we're doing something really badly wrong because we're the same as every other accelerator in the world. If you're choosing us because of who I am and how that can make you feel better and be better, now you're choosing us for the right reasons. And that means my personal brand has been successful. But anyway, we train entrepreneurs on how they do that for their business. And then we go into marketing, growth hacking, a lot of internet marketing techniques, which we really like. We hate tech marketing. It's a waste of time and boring. Uh, We love internet marketing, very smart people who worked out how to do the system a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And then after that, it's just investors, 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 investors. So if you think about it as, as starting a company, it's the same principle. You got to build your vision. You got to build your communication. You got to build your brand. You got to build your personal brand. You got to make sure that you have a proper business development outreach plan. And then you got to make sure that you're bringing in the money, however you bring in that money, whether it's investment or something else. I'm glad just, I'm glad you ended there because I have a question right after that <laughs> to, to tie into that. What do you, do you like startups who do the, the, um, the lifetime deals to, or the crowdsourcing to generate funding from the beginning? Yeah, I mean, look, equity-based crowdfunding is 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 come on an awful long way in the last couple of years. Uh, there's some great platforms out there, WeFunder and Start Engine and Seed Invest and Republic and a bunch of others. And that's just here in the US, a bunch more in the UK. Um, a lot of governments around the world put it together tax incentives to make it really attractive for small investors to invest into companies. And yeah, I think you know, poor people have been kept poor for way too long in this country by keeping them away from opportunities mm. to be able to make a ton of money. Uh, and, and who are we? We to say that just because somebody is not an accredited investor, they don't have a certain amount of money, that they're not worthy of being able to invest in something which can make them a lot of money. So yeah, I, I really like the opportunity. I mean, what I will point out is that um, 
venture capital as a as an industry is an elitist industry at its core and it's been mm. brought to its core for many years and mm. that means that if somebody raises money in crowdfunding like venture capitalists don't care because they know that if you're softbank or sequoia or nea or one of the big venture capitalists they can pump so much money into a company that they can blast away some crowdfunding people but it's yeah. definitely it's a great way of doing it and actually it's a super way to validate if you have a good company or a bad company with very the true. very people who would buy a product. So yes, very, thumbs up. Very, very true. Awesome. So I'm going to take it another way now. Um, when, when do you say it's not working? Like you had this idea, you had this great idea and you've done all you've done, you've done mm-hmm. your due diligence, you're working hard, but you're not getting the return that you expected. When you say, you know, this isn't working, let's, let's end it here. What, when, when do you say that? When do you call it? Uh, and that's a super duper question because I'm a, I'm very much a, because we, you, you notice that in the previous one, I started with the vision yeah. and, and there's a very important reason for starting with the vision. Most entrepreneurs, they begin and they're like, oh my God, that was awesome. Somebody just bought something. I wonder if I can sell something else. And they're like, oh my God, that was awesome. I, I want to buy something else. And then they think, oh crikey, we need to buy some more stock. And then they buy a little bit more stock. And then they're like, oh, we need to hire some more people. And then they hire some more people. And then they get mm-hmm. to a stage where they think, oh my God, I, I just, I just, I owe $20,000. Like, how did that happen? And I'm mm-hmm. bringing in like $5,000. What am I going to yeah. do? And then how do I go forward? And, and when, again, like I suppose the two points I made at the beginning, which is so important to people, is time kills people using its greatest weapon, which is money. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes it's energy that it sucks it out of you, but most of the time it's money, right? Time kills companies because of money. And then, the second point, which is that folks don't plan in advance enough and they allow things to happen to them. So if you reach a stage where you have to make a decision, should I let this company close today or should I not? Then you haven't planned properly. It's just that simple. Like if you, if you look at your vision at the beginning and you build your vision and then you look at the cash flow that is required to make that vision satisfactory, then you will be able to work out how much money you have for how long. And if you build in what your sales are going to be and what your expenses are going to be, then you will work out how you can get that further. And then if you work out, hey, you know what? I have enough money to last me for 12 months and Mm. I have a product rollout, which is going to take me 18 months. Well, we'll then just get up earlier in the morning or work a job or get an Uber job or like do what you got to do. But don't let this shit happen to you when you're nine months in (laughs) because that's the loser's way out. The winner's way out is to plan in advance, like spend that extra time in preparation. Make sure your preparation is so perfect Mm. that when you come out, I always, you know, it's really funny. It's going to probably sound terrible, but when you look at preparation, if you look, um, you know, and guys and girls are very, are very different in this way, at least most so, right? I'm a, I'm a kind of a, an oldie worldy Irish guy. So it takes me about 30 seconds to get up in the morning and to get out to come out. But then sometimes that you'll see a female and you'll see that she's made like a tremendous effort. And Mm -hmm. you know that that's taken a certain amount of time for that to happen. Like that effort has been put into it. Right. And it's preparation because to that person, it was tremendously important what her image looked like. And and, and I don't want to make this about men or women. It's just, it's very, I just think it's too obvious not to, not to state it, but you'll see some people who are just particularly beautiful and they've made a tremendous effort on it. And you're thinking, okay, they felt it was worth spending 30 minutes, an hour, maybe even two hours, making sure that the hair was perfectly blow dried, making sure that the makeup is perfectly on, everything is there. Do the same thing for your company. Like for crying out loud, if you're going to be out for the entire day and you want to make sure you look your absolute best on it, you're going to have a company which is going to be there for like a year, two years, three years, and you want to make sure that you survive all the way through. Don't just go into it with your buddies, you know, make a bunch of t-shirts like I have here and say, (laughs) this is awesome. I'm a CEO of a company. It's going to be cool, man. No, it's not going to be cool. Like you're going to die a death, you have to plan this out from the beginning. And if you're taking this to its extreme, then you will actually have written your own. I, I know I, I had a buddy who wrote his own epithet way before he died, right? And he wrote he wrote like his, his, his the entire funeral, <laughs> and he had mm-hmm. whiskey ready for it. And it's a very again a very Irish thing, but he had whiskey ready for it, and then he had the things to, to speak about him and saying what a great guy he was. And you should have that same thing for your business. Like you should literally mm-hmm. have. A, a your 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 funeral last rites written for whatever time period you think that you're going to run, run out of money on, and then you've told your spouse, your friends, your family, everybody else, we will kill the company on this day unless somebody can convince me that there is a 
a, a value-based reason not to do so. Awesome. So my short answer is decide on the first day when you're going to kill it. Mm, wow. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Absolutely love that. So I have, I have this question here. Um, like, think about it. If you've got a kid, yeah. when are you yeah. going to decide your kid's not going to be a doctor? Pretty friggin' <laughs> obvious after a while, right? right? Like, kid, you didn't get into medical school. Like, you're done, okay? Right. You're working right. for me for free. Okay, but you're working right. for me. So it's the same thing. Like we all know in advance, just people hide away from it. And because they yeah. don't want to confront that failure before the failure happens, somehow it seems more valiant if you deal with the failure in the moment. And what I'm saying is deal with the failure up front and it would be so terrifying to you that mm. you would do everything inside your power to make sure that you avoid it. Vision, people. Vision. I hope everybody can definitely vision there and a, a plan, which... I think that when people are starting, sometimes they sometimes they they don't know that maybe this is going somewhere. So, what do you, what do you say to people 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 like that where they don't know it, they they don't know if this is going anywhere? But oh, like they got that first sale now they feel like oh I have something. Is is there a way to still pick it up from there where they get a chance to really to really thrive after that after they have some belief that something's something's going to happen with their company. My answer would be the same to all of these things. If you got to plan this stuff up front, like you, we, we need to have an assumption that certain things are going to happen as a thesis to starting the company, right? And whether things are going really bad, and, and look, here's what will also happen. And I want, I want to put this ingredient in there. Murphy's Law, or like Mike Tyson said it best, right? Everybody's got to plan until they get punched in the face, <laughs> right? And then, and what happens in the startup? You just get punched in the face every single day. You like literally wake up every morning and you're like, oh my god, today's going to be an awesome boom. And you get just smacked right on the nose and your eyes start watering. And that's what startup is like. And But you have to plan in advance what you intend to do with your road. And it doesn't mean you're not going to splinter off on other roads. You will. But the second you splinter off on another road, you then need to take that same vision, that same plan that you were doing on the main road, and now change it to your new direction. Or help bring you back onto the road later on on, on the tour. But if you don't know where you're going, then mm -hmm. you're wasting your time. So I'll give you a great example. If I say, hey, you know what? These glasses I built are going to have like um, augmented reality built into them so that I'm able to see Pokemon Go all day. And not only that, I can actually tell, remember your name and I have a terrible memory for everything, but I can remember your name just because my glasses will tell me who you are on LinkedIn and everything else. Now I'm like, okay, cool. That's a pretty friggin' awesome idea. So yeah. how many people do I think can use this? I'm like, well, possibly everybody. Well, it's too big an audience, right? So who's going to take it? Well, let's think Apple, right? The first adapters were like super creative people who wanted to be able to use the creativity inside the Apple to be able to actually do better design. So the people who are going to use this are probably going to be first adapter techie people who are going to love this technology and they're going to buy this thing all day. So how many of those people are there? How much are they going to pay for it? How much is it going to cost me to do it? So probably upfront design, development, everything else, maybe a couple of million dollars, right? But that's okay because I'm going to get invested to that money. My daily expenses are going to be the amount of time, the amount it's going to cost for all of my developers and all of the people who are going to be continuing to make it better. And then also the folks who are selling it. And also the cost of the product because now I've got to make these glasses. So let's right. say the glasses cost me a hundred bucks to make. And let's say I'm making 300 bucks on the glasses, right? Then my day one comes. And I arrive at and I'm like, okay, I got my glasses. I got my developers. I'm a hero. Everybody says I'm great. I'm now going to go to the best potential channels to make sure that I get my $300 for my glasses. I go out. I put my digital ads out. Nobody buys my ads for three, my, my glasses for $300. Right? I just mm. got punched in the face. Right. But I got money in the bank because I made an assumption before that I was going to get punched on the face. And I made sure that my only money that I didn't have left was not just like my last thousand dollars to spend on Facebook ads. I had a plan and my plan was not a day plan. My place is, my plan is a continual marketing plan to get it out. But let's say after three months, everything I try, influencers, everything else, maybe my pricing is wrong. And maybe I shouldn't have taken me three months to realize this. Maybe I should have found this out beforehand mm -hmm. if I had anticipated the problems and dealt with them up front. Yeah. Maybe my user case, my avatar was wrong. I need to fix that and I need to. So remember, there are no bad products. 
there's just running out of time before I find out what the solution is going to be. So we got to make sure that we're always looking at that. Now, if I came to the end of the game and if it's two or three years in, I can't get any more investment or maybe I couldn't get any investment in the first place. Nobody wants to buy my glasses. Nobody wants to have the $300. Then I need to work out like, was this really such a great thing in the meantime? Did everybody really want to be able to see each other's faces or was it all in my imagination? Now, if I had plenty of money, then that wouldn't matter because I would yeah. use what I learned to build a better product that people do want. There's always a product that people want. There's always a product that people want. But can we evolve our way to get there? Not if we run out of money. So money is your best friend and your greatest enemy. But make sure that you have the maximum of respect for money as you're building your startup so that you never run out of it. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> so we haven't touched but on the word unicorn yet. We mm-hmm. got a couple more. We're almost at the top of the hour here. So let's touch on what you believe as far as your experience and what you've seen out there or what, you, what you're looking for that, you know, that's possibly unicorn because they're doing this, this, that, and the other. What does that look like to you? So first of all, the execution is really important. You know, there are, mm-hmm. there are people leave, there are clues, success leaves clues yeah. and people in life. And it doesn't mean they've had to have had a company before or a unicorn before. It's just, you can tell, you see where they do it. You see like somebody breaks through one of our companies, you know, the guy came from the projects and he was uh, uh, like a real tough area and he didn't have a great education. But he put himself up to Chicago and he managed to get himself in touch with a bunch of folks. And he pushed himself through college by working in, in a subway. And he he just did it. Like, he, I know he's going to work his ass off. I know he's got skill gaps, which need to be filled mm-hmm. in by other people that we need to put in the team. But I know his products is really good. And I know he's an executor. Like that word executor is mm-hmm. really, really, really important. I, I cannot emphasize how many useless people there are out there in the execution area. And there are very few people who continually will do it and they will get up at whatever hour they have to, to execute. You just, you know, these people, these are the people who, you know, they had a baby when they were young, they've got a brother who was sick, you know, they got a job during the day and they go to college in the evening. They're like, they're executors. They're, they're not going to fail. They're not going to fall down. And they'll go through it without complaining every five seconds. Oh, my life is so tough, you know? And then you get some other schlep who's like sitting on the same bus stop, going on the same bus and talking about how unfair life is because they didn't manage to get the right promotion. And the person who got it just turned up in the morning and they sucked up to the boss and like how they wish that life was a bit better. It's like, yeah, wish, 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 wish. You know the real truth? You're not an executor. You didn't come into this life believing that you were going to bring real change to this life. But that woman, I don't know why it was a woman. It's just because they're normally, they're normally the beasts, right? The ones who do this stuff. Like that woman is taking care of the kid and taking care of the job and taking care of the college and yeah. getting her degree. I like the first one in the family to be a degree and taking right. care of her brother and bringing food home and cook like – that beast is the executor. That's the person you put money into. And that should be the people that we, um, that we really all aspire to. Awesome. So I have one last question. Mm-hmm. This, this is an amazing, amazing hour. I hope everybody's listening. I hope everybody's getting a lot into this because I know that I am. Um, one last question. I'll ask this question uh, from all of my guests. Go something like this. They hear you now. They see, they see what you're doing. They love what you what you what you what you um, um, put together. They have similar interests. They have similar they have similar journeys, um, and they want to do the same things that you are doing. Can you give them a few things right now uh, to help them on the journey to show them how to be an authority in this space? Yes, I can. I can give. I can give a few life lessons, which were good life lessons for me. I mean, I, I was fortunate to have a dad who went through incredible hardship. He had awful rheumatoid arthritis, never complained a day in his life. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you if he was still alive and you asked him how's life, he would say, I got the best life in the whole world. So number one, fix your attitude, boys and girls. Like make sure you realize there's a bunch of folks out there who've got tough lives. Actually, even there's a bunch of rich folks out there who've got tough lives, way more so than you think so. Um, mm-hmm. and, and and that's the way life is, because it was designed to be really hard on us. And those people who come to it with a really optimistic 
mindset are going to be the ones who win. Even if your business isn't a unicorn, you don't make a ton of money, you will win over everybody else. Number two, start early. You know, if you're in school and you're you'd be, be an entrepreneur, like now, are you kidding me? Your mom's fridge is your investor. You know, you don't even have to worry about Visa and MasterCard being your first investors. Your first investor is your mom and your dad because they're making your sandwiches, right? They're paying for your office expenses. So start really early. Number three, open your eyes to the world. Most people's eyes are closed, right? They, they wake up in the morning. They get out of bed the same side. They do the same functions in the same way, in the same place. They go to work. And if you said to them, look, can you tell me about the 57 people on the side of the road that you passed by? Like what color? They wouldn't even remember that there was 57 people because everything's mm-hmm. autopilot. So get out of autopilot get into life, start noticing things and start trying to find things that require a fix. That's the very first step. Once you get to that point of saying, okay, I've seen all these things which need fixed, then you draw a lawn, a, a line, I'm sorry, in the middle of a whiteboard and you say on one side of it, these are all of the things that need to be fixed. And those mm-hmm. ones which are the most important to be fixed to get closer to the middle line, right? The ones that have the biggest opportunity. Then on the other side of the board, you find all of the things that you are exceptionally good at. I don't care if you love it or if you don't love it. That's not what makes a great company. That's what makes a great hobby. The things that you are or can be exceptionally good at. And then you move those things towards the center of the board. And then you look for synergies between the two and then build a phenomenal company. And remember, this is a marathon. It is the toughest, hardest daily marathon you will ever do in your entire life. And only the beasts will make it. So be a beast. Awesome. (laughs) I have... No words after that, guys. I hope you guys, <laughs> hope you guys have gotten a lot out of that. We are about through here, but please tell them where they can find you and your company and get connected with you after the show. Uh, you can catch me at Expert Dojo. Um, so we're here in Santa Monica on top of the mall in the uh, Santa Monica Shopping Center. Uh, you can catch us online. My email is brian at expertdojo.com. People are always welcome to outreach to me. Uh, our website for applications is expertdojo.com. Again, reach out to me anytime. Uh, and we love entrepreneurs. And we have a bunch of resources on the website that people are very welcome to come and watch and listen to from training to podcasts to a bunch of other stuff, which are all free. Awesome. That 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 is about it, guys. Uh, I have nothing else to say. <laughs> and unless you have some of the final words on here, but I, I think he did an amazing job in this hour. Um, people get a hold of us here at theauthorityletter.com or text us that we are live 44222 to help you better build your platform uh, we got some amazing stuff coming coming your way and got giveaways all the time. So awesome. everybody, everybody, connect with this guy. <laughs> He's the real deal. He's the real deal. He's Brian with an eye, McMahon. <laughs> take 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 his advice. Go back and watch this replay and really connect with him. Um, really appreciate you coming through the show. Um, but that's and that's it here. That's it for this episode of the Authority Project. Take care, be blessed. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. And that's a wrap for this episode of The Authority Project. Thanks so much for tuning in. And if you like what you heard, we want to hear from you. Subscribe, rate, and give an honest review. Share and tell your friends so they can hear too. And for even more authority-building tactics, be sure to sign up at theauthorityletter.com. Get free weekly content and ongoing digital product giveaways to help you on your entrepreneurial journey. We certainly hope you got a key takeaway or maybe an aha moment from today's broadcast. Just remember, it's your authority. Build it, share it, and they will come. Until next time.